Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance. So I, I really tried to title it substance, but it got extra words added in there, but that's okay. Faith is the substance. So there's lots of kind of substances you could mess with or deal with. This is probably the most powerful substance known to man. Faith is the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11.1, 1, the evidence of things not seen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Ask yourself this question. You should always ask yourself this question. Every situation, ask yourself this one question. Every day, ask yourself this one question. Every month for the rest of your life, every day for the rest of your life, ask this one question. I've learned that we humans need simple things. So I'll just give you one question. <laughs> one question. What does the word say? But that's only part A of the question. Because I'm a preacher, there has to be like... You know. <laughs> the Lord spoke this to my heart a couple weeks ago. I mentioned it in the, the service, not last week, but the week before. What does the word say? Ask yourself, what does the word say? Not as a law, but as life. Write that down. What does the word say? You ask that question. Ask yourself, what does the word say? But not as a law. In other words, well, you better do this or else. Or this is the way it has to be, or else. Ask yourself that question as life. In other words, I want God's will in this situation. So I'm not going to say, what do I have to do? I'm going to say, what's going to bring the life and power of God to bear in the middle of this situation? So I'm asking, what does the word say? But I'm asking as life. Because I, I want the life of God. Because the, the life of God, the power of God, the goodness of God, the freedom of God, the vision of God, the light that comes from God, it is available. You don't have to walk, uh, live your life wondering, well, I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. Well, I wonder if I'm in the right place. Well, I wonder why this isn't working. But sometimes... We find ourselves there, even though maybe we've been in church before, uh, maybe we, we read our Bible frequently, but if you read the words of God as a law unto yourself, you are not appropriately receiving God's word. Jesus said, he did not say, I have come to give you law. He said, I have come that you might have life. What does that mean? Well, that's not just something you carry around. It's not just something you possess. It's something that possesses you. 
You get lost in the life of God. You get swallowed up in the very life of God that you're, that you're so consumed with His life that you kind of look down and you're like, oh, I guess I am here somewhere. Like Paul said, my life is hid with Christ in God. So you actually have like a hidden life. So ask yourself, what does the word say? But ask that as, what does the word say as life, not as a law? As life, not as a law. I mean, they, they said of Jesus, you know, he said some very, you know, let's just say, some of the messages that Jesus delivered He would have experts today tell him uh, that is not appropriate to share in a church service. <laughs> so even back then, you know, there was a lot more than 12 disciples. I think there were like 400 and some, you know. So he talked about if you don't eat my flesh, drink my blood, you have no part with me. And then like a lot of people left him for that. You know. The church growth experts say, like, see, you just failed, Jesus. <laughs> like, you drove all these people away. Like, what kind of minister are you? I don't know. One sent from God. Oh, no, he wouldn't say, I don't know. He'd say, one sent from God, because he does know. I think he's funny, but not cynical. You can be funny and not cynical. Okay. That's another message. Okay, so cynicism isn't always really walking in love. So, but what they say after that, Jesus turned to them and said, are you going to leave me too? <laughs> you remember their response? Where would we go? You alone have the words of life. So you don't receive the word as law, you receive it as life. Uh, if I have a challenge, or let's say I see something in my arena of influence or authority, and it does not line up with the word of God, then I don't want to like bring the law to bear as much as I want to bring the life of God in that situation. In other words, it's, it's interesting because when God created man, he created him different than he created everything else. He created him of the dust of the earth. He didn't just speak him into existence. He actually created him of the dust of the earth. So I don't know, I wasn't there. I guess the Lord will show me when I get to heaven. If you don't show me before, but I, I always pictured Adam as like laying down on the ground. Or maybe he had him up on a stone or I don't know, his body, because his body was lifeless. 
He created him of the dust of the earth, but there was no life in his body until, what? It says he breathed in man the breath of life. Literally, if you look at the Hebrew, it says he inspired into man. It, it denotes the same thing if you have a bunch of coals and you, you know, you look like a, we have a wood burner stove and so sometimes you can have those ashes. And the first year we had it, we didn't realize this, but you have those ashes there's a little warmth, but you see no glow. But all of a sudden, you blow on them, and they come to life. They start lighting up. What's interesting is when one lights up, you know, sometimes, so, so I learned it's like a challenge. You know, you're like a challenge. So it's always my goal in the wintertime to light the fire with a match or a torch one time. And after that, I just inspire those coals. <laughs> I kind of feel defeated if I actually have to relight with a flame because those coals are all there. So they'll kind of be like some here, some there. And if I did it right, they'll be like a bunch in the middle and then it's real easy. But if not, if those coals are spread apart, almost like a believer on their own, apart from other believers. And they're trying to get warm, and they're trying to get warm enough to like light some wood on fire. But I notice it almost takes forever, and if I do that, I can blow and blow and blow. And of course, I have billows too, okay? But the billows only give short breaths, like <laughs> But my breath, I go <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> So I noticed the longer that that, I noticed the longer, I didn't mean for that to be funny, but I noticed the longer that I blow on those coals, the hotter they get, more than just little puffs at a time. But if I have a, even if I don't blow as fast and vigorous as the billows do, because those are, you can do, oh, I'm spit on you. I didn't, I'll do it this way. So <clears throat> you can do, and it'll give you like a burst of air. Well, even my breath, it, it won't be as strong, but it's more continuous. So one thing I noticed, if I want to light the wood on fire with those coals, if I group them together, and then when they're grouped together, if I begin to put wind over those coals, this one, maybe have one that started out hot, even, even, even I'll take coals that are totally out, that I can handle with my hand. There is no warmth. It's actually cool to the touch. But if I take those coals that were once on fire and I put them by the coal that's warm and I blow on the coal that's warm, all of a sudden the ones immediately surrounding it will actually start to glow. Now instead of just one, I have like five or six glowing. Well, then if I take more coals and have around that or if I just pile them all up at once, it'll start from there and it'll just move out. And sure enough, all of those coals are red hot and my fire just begins to burn and produce and then heat comes out, energy comes out and it heats the house. Or at least that part of it. <laughs> well, sometimes, I shouldn't say that. How do I say that right? Huh. A life of faith 
is a wonderful life. When you are born again, you become a brand new creature on the inside. Interesting thing, though, your body doesn't change with this exception. If you're not born again and you'd like to get born again this morning or whenever you'd like to get born again, just know like one of the best times to receive healing in your physical body is when you're born again. Might as well just get everything that Jesus' blood and redemption paid for. So you pray with someone, boy, and they want to receive Christ. It's the best time in the world to get them to receive healing at the same time. Same Lord (laughs) conquered sin, conquered sickness, conquered poverty, all the curse. Well, so what happens is you get completely changed in your inner man. But aside from the healing part, you know, you might have a big growth or something, you know, that, that could fall off, you know, because you, you receive redemption, those type of things. Sometimes instantly, sometimes, it, you know, begins to get better, begins to shrink, whatever. But let's, let's just forget about that part with the body now. So when you're born again, your body doesn't change. In other words, if you had big ears <laughs> before, you have big ears afterwards. It's not like all of a sudden... You know, let me just do it this way. If you had, um, if you didn't have the belly of a 16-year-old before, you don't have the belly of a 16-year-old just because you got born again. So your body doesn't change, okay? Uh, If you were short, you're still short. Now, if you were short because of a disease or sickness, you could receive healing and you could begin to grow. But you understand what I'm saying with that. So your body doesn't change. But then your mind doesn't change either. Now you've made a decision as an act of your will. I'm turning my whole life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and to God the Father through him. So you've made a decision. But in other words, if you had a foul mouth before, your flesh is going to want to still have a foul mouth afterwards. And you will find yourself speaking foul things out of your mouth But you may find like, man, I don't enjoy this as much as I used to. Why? Well, because your spirit is not really going in that same direction as what your flesh wants to go. And so unrenewed mind can hold you out of so many of the blessings of God. I didn't know for years. I I knew God obviously had the ability to heal any sickness, any disease. But I did not know it was part of what Jesus did on the cross. Just as much a part of what he did on the cross and when he defeated it in hell as redemption for my spirit, well, I found that out, and I started like, whoa, this is, this is a big deal. This is a blessing. People want to fight you. Like, people want to argue. Seriously, God could not be that good that he would actually, all he will do is, like, save you for heaven, but you got to go through torment in this life. People will argue with you to tell you, no, God doesn't always want to heal you. Well, I have nothing to base what I believe. I have nothing to base that on except for the Word of God. So you just have to go with the Word. (laughs) Because people have lots of thoughts 
But the older I get, the more I realize a lot of those thoughts have nothing whatsoever to do with the Word of God. They have more to do with this has been my experience. So obviously, if God really wanted me healed, I would just be healed. I had a friend when I was in Bible school, I worked an IT job, and so we worked together, and he was kind of like a lay minister, I think, or something like that. And uh, so we got into a discussion one Friday because uh, I was attending Rainbow Bible Church, and we were having a healing service that night or something, and somehow he found out about it. He was of a different persuasion, but he was a Christian. And uh, he's like, oh, you're having a healing service? And I said, yeah, we are. I'm kind of excited about it. He's like, that is amazing that you could just decide when God is going to heal. Like, you can just decide he's going to heal. So everybody come, because we decided God's going to heal tonight. And I said, huh, yeah, it is kind of amazing. I said, it's kind of like you could just decide that the greater miracle, which is salvation of the soul, you could just decide God's going to save people tonight? And he was like, I never thought of that. That ended that discussion. Literally, I mean, we didn't, we were friends, but he didn't go any further with the discussion. (laughs) So ask yourself, what does the word say? But not as a law, as life. Because his words give life and bring life to every situation. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Praise the Lord. And on my own, I would have forgot that. But the Lord reminds you. So, so, the mind of the human is not, it actually has James terms, it's saved when the spirit is saved, born again, when you become a new creature in Christ. That your mind has to be renewed by the word of God, has to, has to be changed. So sometimes we make a mistake because we are carrying some baggage that we don't realize that we carry into our walk with the Lord because our mind hasn't been changed. So we kind of take it like, you know, of course if I'm going to do that, if I'm saying that, that's from the Lord, when maybe it's actually from you. So you want to receive the word as life, not a law. And you want to... um, What's the greatest act of faith? The greatest act of faith is to turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is what? Is today the 15th? Anybody know? Okay. So today's May 15th, 2022. So if you've never turned your life over to the Lord and you decide to do that today, and you make Jesus the Lord of your life, May 15th, 2022. 
That's the most significant thing you could do up till this point and even in the future. Well, once you're born again, there's many things you need to do, but you understand that was the most significant. That was the ultimate change. Ultimate exchange. Well, I could preach that, but... <laughs> but do you know, if I make Jesus the Lord of my life, and I already have, but if I made Jesus the Lord of my life for the first time this morning, and I gave my life to the Lord, that is not a thing that I did on May 15th, 2022, and it affected just that day. I have just now entered into a new life, and my entire life in this new life is yielded under his merciful, loving hand, his lordship. I mean, there is no better master than Jesus Christ. There is no, mer no more merciful leader, no more helping, caring, strong, providing person than Jesus Christ. Are you going to come under somebody's authority? You might as well come under the best. You come under the authority of mercy. <laughs> so, Jesus... The confession that Jesus is Lord, it's not just saying, well, let's all say Jesus is Lord today because we're in church. But as soon as we get in the parking lot, Jesus is no longer Lord. I'm going to run you over if you slow me down, right? <laughs> well, you have to sometimes learn how to uh, not let your body tell you what it wants to do, but you tell your body what to do flesh and uh, same thing with your mind you know you have to renew your mind and if you don't renew your mind and you try to tell your body what to do your mind's going to side in with the old ways of the flesh your mind's going to say I kind of like doing that I, I kind of rather enjoy that so what are you doing telling me I can't do what I enjoy I mean isn't this Christianity you get what you want People laugh, but that's actually some people's definition of Christianity. No, you get what Jesus wants. And actually, that's the only thing that will ever satisfy in the large scope of things is what Jesus wants. Well, what did he say in John 15, 7? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what Ever you want if you abide in me Jesus said and my words abide in you you live in me my words live in you you can ask anything you want it'll be done anything you want anything you want can you believe that's in the Bible Oh my, I mean, I'm in church, so I know we're all going to say, yes, I know, I believe it's in the... But do you know what that actually says? What he actually said. Now, don't listen to it as law. Listen to it as life. You can ask anything you want, it'll be done. But you can't just ask anything you want, it'll be done. Because you just lifted that scripture out of the rest of the scriptures. If you live in me and my words live in you, what happens? I found the most satisfying things in life are the things that fulfill him. And 
And when I get into the flow of what fulfills him, I am more fulfilled than I could have ever been any other way. I lived out here uh, stationed at Fort Meade in the mid-90s, and uh, I discovered skiing. And I rather liked skiing. And uh, my kids have gone skiing, what, I guess the one time now, so I'm endeavoring that they don't do what I did. But I would just get up on the slopes, and I don't care. I, I just want to go down as fast as I can go. <laughs> Skis together, bent over, like, as fast as I can go. I mean, when I was first learning, it was quite dangerous. Well, and it still is now that I'm wiser. You know, you're like, whoa, those trees don't move. Okay. Uh, so learn from my mistakes. Don't follow them. Follow me as I follow Christ, not as I follow flesh. And so I love skiing. Like, I kind of like almost lived for skiing. And then, you know, I was a Christian, but I wasn't like walking real close with the Lord. So then I just really got on fire for God. And when I did, then I went skiing again. Actually, that's funny. I went skiing the day after I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I thought, what happened to skiing? Why is this not as fun as what it was before? Skiing is a wholesome activity, you know, if you're not going to go too fast and hurt people. Right? So, like, I'm like, what happened? So I thought, man, I just don't like skiing as much anymore. I don't know what happened. Well, you know what? I think I like skiing as much as I ever did. I just like Jesus so much more. <laughs> so that skiing and everything else just, like, paled in comparison. You're, you're kind of like... What is that? I mean, yeah, okay, it's still fun, but boy, that didn't do anything for me like what Jesus does. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, you understand, it's still fun, but it doesn't satisfy to the depth and the wholeness of what the Word of God and the presence of God does. Ask yourself, what does the Word say? Not as a law, but as life. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I should be finished here in three minutes. Substance of things what? Hoped for. So you have a hope to live in integrity. You have a hope to walk in love. You have a hope to have provision. You have a hope to impart to your children. You have a hope to live as a godly man or a godly woman. You have a, a hope to be a bold witness. You have a, a hope to just let loose in worshiping God. Well, faith is the substance of those things. So, so start with those things. Like, well, what is a hope? Oh, I desire. I, I could see myself doing that. You know, maybe you've never lifted your hands in worship to the Lord in a corporate setting. So, so you, you can imagine, you're like, Lord, okay, I'm just going to have the confidence to do that. Well, that's a good hope. Well, faith will give it substance. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to them that believes. To the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. You know what's next? From faith to faith. From faith leading to faith. 
the just shall live by faith. So faith is a substance. So you look over in, uh, is it Timothy? Uh, desire that men lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Well, you find a scripture like, well, there's a scripture about lifting up hands. So what do I do about that? Well, I have to do that because the law says it. No, that's not the law. This is life. Wait a minute. There's, wait a minute. You're saying if I lift up holy hands like you said to lift up holy hands, that's going to bring life into my situation? That's going to invigorate me? That's going to actually infuse me, put something into me? Are you saying by me giving up and humbling myself that that's going to, that's going to add unto me? That's exactly what he's saying. So you find the scripture and you let that settle in your heart and you just decide in your heart, either it's true or it's not true. And if it's true, I mean, if all this is actually true and we ignore it and act like it's not, we are of all people most miserable because we have a form of godliness without the power. We're, we're, we're hemmed in on every side and we're restricted in all these things. But that's a deception like a funhouse mirror that makes you look skinny or fat from the pit of hell. There is such freedom in this. People say, oh, I never want to live that way. Oh, I would never want to live any other way. I'm more free than any person who has unlimited money but doesn't know the Lord. They think I can, I'll buy what I want. That is death. That is death. You're learning that you are God. Oh, I'm sorry. It's got me a little bit like dis disturbed. No, Jesus is Lord. You are so free. When you, when you live your life, your whole life's turned over to him and turns towards him and you look to him, you have no limitations. Excuse me. You have the limitations that God has himself. I think he's doing pretty good. So you have hope for these things, but that hope should turn into solid substance. Like, I know that I know. If your faith is working, you have results. How do I know if I'm in faith? Results. That could be encouraging or discouraging. If it is discouraging, all you have is hope. But be not discouraged. <laughs> oh, I don't have time to finish this. Praise the Lord. Believing is having it settled in your heart, causing your attitude and act actions to flow from the belief that you have settled in your heart. Let me say it again. Believing is having... Uh, this belief settled in your heart, causing that belief that's settled in your heart, causes your attitude and your actions to flow from that settled belief. Is that too technical? That's how my mind works, so that's how it, I put it down. Somebody said... Uh, Praying with a particular minister, and prayed together. Hey, will you will you pray with me about this? They prayed together, and uh, he said to her, 
is it done? And she said, well, I sure hope so. He said, well, then it is not. <laughs> if you hope it's done after you pray, it's not. Because faith is the substance. So when you act in faith, without seeing the physical result of what you're praying for, you have something that's even better. Because what you have actually guarantees that the scene will come. You have the substance. Faith is the substance. It's the materiality. It's the solid ground. You can't see it, but it's more solid than what you can see. So Hebrews 11, 1 is an excellent definition of faith. But what is that? When you see someone who will give up everything and step out with no natural guarantees, it goes all beyond all reason, and they step out, and all of a sudden, God shows up, and everything changes, and other people look and wonder like, well, they must have been lucky. But you talk to the person, and they're like, you know, God is so good. Look at what he did. Well, they, the natural thinking person says they are crazy. They, they um, don't understand. They need a crutch to live on. Religion is just a crutch for them. Uh, it's just a happenstance. It's a coincidence that it worked out for them. That is the natural thinking mind. The natural thinking person says, well, you know, they're just weak-minded and they're willing to believe stuff like that. They think they're on shaky ground. No, 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 no. The man and woman who acts in faith has more solid ground than the floor that I'm walking on right now. When you are acting in faith, you are not worried. You are not full of anxiety. You are full of joy. You are full of expectation because you know God's got it. You know it's taken care of. It is solid. So hopefully this is encouraging to you. Like, um, if I'm, I am a man, so I have testosterone. So my flesh sometimes maybe would resist like, uh, maybe it's like lighting the, the stove with another match. <laughs> or asking for direction. <laughs> no, I've learned to ask for direction. I keep my flesh under. But if I'm going down the wrong way, I would rather know I'm going down the wrong way and be embarrassed for going down the wrong way and get headed back in the right way than to just merrily go along the wrong way and uh, you know run out of gas in a deserted place, for instance. Or get stuck in mud or whatever, where you have uh, more challenges. So if you find yourself that you just have the desire, the hope for something, well, you thought you were acting in faith, that is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Because why? Well, if you know this is hope, this is not faith, and you know faith comes from what the Word of God says, receiving it as life instead of a law. Oh, you got it made. You got it made. You know, pride goes uh, before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. I love the look in people's eyes right now. What in the world does that have to do with what he's just talking about? <laughs> well, 
the life of faith is a life of humility because it's a life that looks to Jesus for everything instead of themselves. He makes the way of escape. He makes the provision. Every good thing you have comes from him. So if you want to be free, live your life with Jesus as your Lord and look to him for everything. And listen to his words. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So you, you don't just read the word, you feed your spirit on the word of God. Your spirit will wake up. Your spirit will begin to dominate you. Your mind will actually be changed. When you receive the word that way, like, wait a minute, this is life for me. This might not make sense in my head, but this is life for me. Well, then you know, like, your mind is actually being transformed before your very eyes. And you look back two weeks before, you're just feeding on the word for a week or two, you look back two weeks and you're like, whoa, I'm a different person. Wow, I'm a changed person. And then you realize, I didn't even do it. I just ate the food that was presented that, you know, I made a decision to feed, but I can't really take the credit. Like, can, can you take the credit? Like, I love strawberries. And I've already had a bunch of strawberries. So many that I had to stop. So my system didn't malfunction. And so I love strawberries. So we go as a family every year, we pick strawberries. But we don't make the, I mean, we make strawberry shortcake, but we don't make the strawberry. God makes the strawberry. Whether you like them or not. If it's from the Lord, it should be received with thanksgiving. <laughs> but you realize that's the most free life. That there's not a bondage that can come your way that Jesus hasn't already defeated. So if you live your life in him, you're set. It doesn't mean you don't have challenges. Challenges come. And I'll, I'll finish with this. Actually, stand up when I do this so that I finish. So you still have challenges in the world. Things will still come at you. But you are more than an overcomer. But to be more than an overcomer, you have to have something to overcome. So I am... Uh, uh, have some projects anyhow. So I uh, was, uh, went to pick up some materials and um, I had a trailer and uh, I'm towing the trailer on a Friday and uh, up through mountains and stuff and got quite a long drive. And, uh, you know, I'm a like get from point A to point B and don't stop type of flesh. <laughs> My wife is like, Let's stop quite a bit. Well, she wasn't with me. I'm by myself, so I can do what I want to do. The problem is Jesus is Lord. So I'm driving. I noticed I got like a quarter tank of uh, diesel left, and I'm like, well, I don't know if I should stop. I want to keep going, get as far as I can, and then fill up. And, but I just kind of was like, I'm going to do this at rest, you know, in the presence of the Lord. So I'm like, oh. All right, I'll stop. And then I looked. It was like 2 or 3 o'clock, and I hadn't eaten lunch. And I thought, I don't want to stop and take time to eat lunch because that's going to slow me down. I have no schedule, right? But I'm like, that's just. And so, but then I was like, oh, 
you know what? I should do something different. And I saw a Chick-fil-A and I thought, I'm going to eat Chick-fil-A. You know what? Because I got a trailer. I'm going to go inside and I'm going to sit down by myself and I'm going to eat. Totally against my flesh. But I was like, all right, and I'm going to enjoy it. And so I get out and I look at my trailer and I had quite heavy load. And so I, I was checking to make sure everything was good. And there is a nail in the, one of the tires on my trailer. Well, this really goes against my flesh. So I thought, oh, okay, no problem. I'm not going to think about it. I go get my Chick-fil-A, sit there, and I was having my phone, so I was reading some scriptures and stuff, and um, I got a revelation from something the Lord said to me like four years ago, five years ago, which I can tell you some other time for a second time. Amazing. So I go out, and I'm like, I couldn't park in Chick-fil-A. I parked in this big strip mall parking lot for space, and uh, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I should see if there's enough air in the tire. Maybe I can get home. So I, I go and I get an air gauge, go to check, and I text Dave in the meantime and uh, say, hey, da da da. You know, and so I check, and sure enough, it's like half full of air. And I had probably like 150 miles to go. And I thought, oh, really heavy load, nail in the tire. All right, so I look on Google, like, can I find a place to repair the tire? And I thought, it's Friday afternoon, and people are like, they're trying to get out, and they don't want to do this stuff. So all of a sudden, I was just kind of like, hmm, what am I going to do? Well, where I had parked, Tractor Supply was right there, so I got the, the gauge. I bought it because I didn't have a gauge, so I bought the gauge and checked it. And then I was like, maybe I should check Tractor Supply, see if they, what are the odds they'd have this tire? So sure enough, long story short, they had the tire on a rim, fully inflated. I'm in the parking lot, not on the side of the interstate. I just like went to jack the thing up, replaced the tire, full of peace, full of Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and you know what happened is my load was so heavy that when I was coming down the mountain, there's a 13 mile uh, downgrade of like five to 7%. They said, truck, slow down. Don't go any faster than 45. Well, I didn't realize it until I had gotten down there, but my brakes had heated up. You know, because I, I have a commercial license, so I, you know, I'm watching all that stuff, but still, because my load was so heavy, I had, that's another story. So, um, not only did I just stop and have a wonderful meal and get refreshed, and then was able to easily change my tire, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool testimony. But then my brakes had time to cool down, which I didn't even think about. So, what I'm trying to say is, it's not like you don't have trouble, but trouble doesn't have you. And so you walk by faith and all those obstacles that may come into your life, well, they're all overcomable when you do it with him. And that's the life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you're watching online, you're in the room, you've never given your life to Jesus, it is the best life you could ever live. It is so full of life, it'll blow your mind. I want to invite you to turn your life over to Jesus Christ right now. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few seconds, and when I do, uh, if you'd like to pray that prayer with me, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When I pray this prayer, if you prayed after me from your heart, God will hear your prayer. He'll answer your prayer, and you will become a new creature. The course of your life will change.
Things that were darkness will turn to light. Where you didn't have direction, direction will come. Your sins will be forgiven. You'll be on your way to heaven. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd like to turn your life over to Jesus, I'm not going to have you come up or anything, but I'd like you just to slip up your hand as acknowledgement of the Lordship of Jesus, and then we'll pray together. And uh, whether you're online or in person, Jesus is Lord. Let's pray this together with believers. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead so I could be right with you. Jesus, I gladly take you as my Lord, as my master. Father God, thank you that I am now born again, that you're my father and I am your child. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.